The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Anya Weiser, and um, this is the third in a, of a five-week series on Introduction to Mindfulness. So the first two weeks, the first week we did Mindfulness of Breathing. The second week we did Mindfulness of Body. Um, tonight the topic will be Mindfulness of Emotions. Um, and last week when we were um, covering Mindfulness of Body, some of the things that we focused on were connecting with ses- sensations in the body. So fe- kind of feeling the life of the body from the inside out. Um, we also related to the whole body, mindfulness of the whole body, and feeling the breath in the body. I also talked about um, sort of noticing the difference between your physical and felt experience and the commentator. Sort of like we talked about watching a sports sh- you know, game without the sports commentator. Com- um, commentator going, right? So kind of in the same way, learning how to feel the experience of, of being present in your body without a lot of extra kind of comments and, and commentary and judging and busyness that can go on and, and just sort of keeps adding and adding to our experience. And, you know, both weeks we've sort of talked about this idea that we it's helpful in meditation to have a home base Sort of like it's easy to get lost in the woods, you know? It's easy to get lost in meditation if we don't have sort of a home base, something that we're using as an anchor for our attention. And typically we teach that that's the breath. And you can also um, use body sensations or sound. Those are two alternatives. Sometimes breath is a trigger for people. It's hard for them to pay attention to. It's unpleasant or difficult. If that's the case for you, it's really fine to try finding some steadiness in the, of your body sensation or awareness that will help you stay grounded, or you use just receiving sounds as an alternative. So, does anybody have any um, reflections from their practice this last week? Any new observations or um, struggles that they would be willing to share with the group? Great. We'll get you the microphone. Um, So I've been um, trying to meditate every day. And Mm -hmm. the other day I was meditating in my bedroom in the morning. And my husband um, was taking a shower. And he got out of the shower and was in the room opening drawers and closing drawers and it i it was so i was so quiet in my mind that everything felt really loud and i started noticing the commentary of like why is he doing this he's being so loud i'm obviously trying to focus um and i but i was able to notice that as the commentary and i almost could see it nice. like like a bubble of like what my mind was doing with that information and then i reminded myself to just focus on the noise and to listen to it but not to add this you know blame or um so that was really helpful cuz i didn't get upset with him it was more this is what's happening, and more of just acceptance of what was going on. That's beautiful. That's a great 
Great sharing. Mm. Nice. Anyone else have anything that they can they can share? Great. So, uh, one place I noticed this, uh, or I guess the, the same mindset coming up outside of actually sitting and meditating um, was exercise. So, um, I run a fair bit and just noticed being a bit more aware of, um, uh, I don't know, just like the internal kind of subtleties of joints mm-hmm. and ligaments and, and how everything was kind of reacting to what I was doing. Um, so... So that was interesting seeing it coming up in a, in a more applied way yeah. in life. Yeah. Was that useful, do you think, in some way for you to notice those things? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I like to, um, among other things, I try to exercise to be more present, <laughs> okay. both while I'm doing it and, and afterwards. Um, and so I think it was uh, helpful to that end. Beautiful. Yeah. So that's stuff you wouldn't have necessarily noticed, but you've been bringing your awareness deeper into your body. And mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Anyone else want to share? Okay. Yeah, great. Um, so this week I tried something different than that. Um, I tried to, uh, whenever I had a pain that I was aware of in my body, I I just tried to, you know, live with it and just notice it and just be like, okay, there's a pain, you know, um, and it's, you know, in my tooth or it's in in my heel or whatever, rather than going, ow, it's hurting and, you know, like, oh, I'm really in pain, like, I don't know what to do, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Um, and I definitely noticed that when I'm more calm and I'm just observing it, more like a third third person, you know, yeah. like from the outside. Yeah. Um, it's almost like the pain actually diminishes. It, it's not. It's not as bad as when I'm. I'm kind of going. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! So that was that was interesting. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. So that seems uh, um, obviously useful. Yeah. Maybe one more, one more comment or share, is anyone? So I was able to meditate um, every day, and this morning I was short on time, so I thought I'll set my timer for 15 minutes, and 15 went by so quickly, so I added another five. Fantastic. <laughs> and that made me feel really good. So, And I've been looking forward to the time for myself to meditate, so it's, it's been a good, good week. Oh, that's great. That's great. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's start right away with a three-breath journey. You don't need to, yeah, you can change your posture or not, but just, just see if you can be aware of three breaths.
And now just sort of um, notice what shifted in that three, four, five breaths that you took. Can anybody share what they noticed? Microphone's right there in that chair. Is it my imagination or did the room get quieter and stiller? Right? Everybody feel that? Right behind you, Wendy. Uh, I think my breath changed when I paid attention to it. Yeah. Do you have any idea of how? Not exactly sure, but I think I was like managing it more actively with my. It wasn't happening by itself. It was. I felt, uh, you know, a compulsion to control it. Yeah, yeah. And that can happen, especially when we first start to meditate. And so, in fact, sometimes, um, pretty much always, the instructions and encouragement is to go ahead and take a few deeper breaths. Because usually we're running around not breathing so well. And um, so when we first sit down, we do kind of get involved in that controlling or encouraging of a deeper breath. And, uh, and also, not just the breathing in, but the letting go with the exhale. And then, after those three breaths or so, you just sort of let your breathing start to breathe itself again. Yeah. So that's great you notice the difference. Yeah. Well, I, I just noticed the difference, and it was interesting. I had a doctor appointment this morning, and of course I rushed, and they took my blood pressure, and it was sky high, and the nurse said, just take three deep breaths. And when he said that, it was just like, oh, and I felt like I was here, and my blood pressure went way down. <laughs> so that's what happens as well, just this calming over the body. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Anybody else notice anything else they're willing to share? I'm assuming you all notice some change. Something. Yeah, I see heads nodding. Yeah. Um, you know, some people notice they get calmer. Some people notice their minds get quieter. Um, like I mentioned, I felt like the room kind of got stiller, quieter. Um, sometimes we notice something like, you know, how we're feeling. Whether we have pain. Somebody noticed last week that they had pain in their body, right? Um, that they weren't aware of beforehand. So it's important and, hel- and helpful, right, to sort of start to check in. And did it seem like a f- pretty short amount of time, that three-breath thing? Did, did that feel more tolerable than 20 minutes, kind of five minutes even thinking about it? But, but it, it makes a difference, and the Buddha talked about how, you know, a bucket gets filled drop by drop, right? So even if we do a lot of three-minute journeys over our day, we can start to fill the bucket of mindfulness. We can start to fill it up. And it's amazing how much more quickly you can connect in this way as you, as you build this into your daily life in this way, Right? So, you know, when um, I talked about it sort of in the review that we use an object um, of attention to help us in our mindfulness so we don't get lost. Like, a, you know, in the woods we need a, a safe home base or a trail, a path, right? And 
the breath is um, often that kind of grounding, orienting energy in meditation or body sensations or hearing. And there's a lot of things that come up. Like if you're in the woods, the little animals and critters come out and you know some of them are very compelling and we want to go off and follow them and see if we can find their little habitats. <laughs> so this is why, um, you know, it's imp- helpful to start the way we've been. You sort of create this, oh, oh, I'm on the path. I'm walking on the path, the breath. This is my kind of orienting as we're going through our experience. And a lot of things will come and go. And so then we added the experience of noticing body sensations and sort of like learning how to, if they become strong, let our awareness be with them, right? And um, another thing that will come up that can be, you know, kind of pull us off the path is emotions. Yeah. How do you guys all feel about emotions? What kind of words? You can say them. You don't even need the microphone because I'll repeat. Just kind of, how do you feel about emotions? Any words to describe how you feel about them? Confusing. Confusing. Unpleasant. Unpleasant? Yes. Unpleasant. I should say it the way you did. Some of them, unpleasant. (laughs) Yes. Powerful. Powerful. Yeah. Surprising. Surprising. Yeah. Experience changing. changing. Mhm. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, they're pretty they can be difficult, right? They can be surprising. They do change. Um and they're a pretty significant part of what makes life rich pretty important part of what helps us know when things are going well or not well. When we like what we're doing and when we don't like what we're doing. Right? Feedback. Yeah? Yeah. When we have a good relationship with our emotions, when we're able to see them and be aware of them, they actually really can be a, like little messengers, right? There's a quote I have it's, um, from Vincent van Gogh. And I think that this quote um, reflects a lot how we, when we're not conscious, how emotions operate in our lives. When we're not mindful of them. He says... Let's not forget that the little emotions are the great captains of our lives and we obey them without even realizing it. Does that resonate for you guys? You know, they, they're motivational systems. From a perspective, from an um, evolutionary psychology perspective, you think about emotions as, motivation, emotions as motivational systems. And in fact, the word emotion means to move to move and they're you know kind of composed of energy and neurochemistry and they move in our body and in fact 
technically, an emotion is said to last an average of 90 seconds. Right. The other thing about them is we feel them in our bodies. Emotions are something that are felt. Right? They impact our state of being. In mindfulness, in our tradition, it's really important for you to know that there's no inappropriate emotions in in a meditation. There's no emotion that you shouldn't be feeling. That they're all allowed. And, And it's a particularly safe place to practice with this. Because if we're sitting on a cushion in our meditation, we're not going to get up and act on. See, if they want us to move, they want, you know, they want us to take action. But it's really a great place to practice feeling that compulsion to move and do without. Without moving. There's so much we can learn. So much we can learn. So much freedom to be gained, right? From these systems that are hardwired into us, and then get conditioned by our own particular families and experiences and our own predispositions so that, you know, over time, we develop different kinds of relationships with different emotions. Maybe there are some emotions that you feel particularly comfortable with and others that you avoid like they're the plague, right? In um, sort of uh, evolutionary psychology perspective, um, I find it helpful to share this kind of a three um, kind of model, three cycle circle model of emotions. There's motivations that are related to the threat system, right? And those emotions typically want to create action that's what? Fighting, fighting. Fighting, flight, flight, running, or um, freezing, right? So a host of emotions might be connected to that. Jealousy, anger, you know, um, feeling rejected, criticized. But the th- anything that triggers a sense of feeling you're not part of, you're not good enough, that would be connected to that threat system. And then there's emotions that are thought of as um, drive or excitement, And so that would be a lot of things like having to do with wanting to accomplish something, wanting a sense of pleasure, wanting food, um, working, like trying to finish a project, right? Um, Buying something new, um, redecorating, things that kind of drive energy, drive completion, right? So there's, and there's different neurochemicals associated with these different states too. So we really do have very physiological different experiences of these different kinds of emotions. And then there's um, soothing or affiliative um, emotions that have to do with our um, system that has to do with connection and bonding and love and being part. And um, those make us feel content, comfortable, cozy, right? So different, we have different relationships to those different kinds of emotions based on our own personal characteristics in our lives. But I share that because I think it's, for me, been very important to understand that, you know, emotions 
you know, they're deeply rooted in our system, our whole physiological system. And they're connected to these survival systems. They're connected to our, you know, sort of animal instincts. And so when it's hard not to react to emotions, of course it's hard not to react to emotions, especially when we've been just sort of going along with them a lot in our lives. Another thing that I like to point out is how much um, the different kinds of emotions actually affect us. So, for example, if you are in a threat response, your vision gets really precise and pinpointed. You see very narrow range of, of things. You get very focused and very clear on what's the threat. And then you don't see the rest. Right? And it also um, obviously affects the kind of behavior. So if you're, you're going to be more stiff, more rigid, if you're feeling threatened, right? You're not going to feel at ease. It's going to affect the kinds of thinking and reasoning that comes about from our mind. It's even going to affect the kinds of fantasies or images that we start to have in our mind. So if you're in a threat system, you're going to have a certain set of experiences. If you're in the drive system another kind of experience in the body and, you know, with your mind and fantasies and all of that. And if you're in the affiliative system, whole different thing. Can you imagine, are you relating to what I'm talking about? Kind of maybe connecting in your own mind with what, what tends to show up for you when you, you know, so this is another thing. Like when you're meditating and you find that you're fantasizing about being on a tropical island, you know, with the love of your life and you're in the warm sun, the chances are, you know, you've kind of been you're operating from this more contentment system, right? Either that or you're in the fantasy drive, I want to, you know, go make, go make babies or something, right? <laughs> so it's, it's, it's just more ways for you to help, help you see what territory you're in when you're in meditation, right? And in life. In, um, in the Buddhist teachings, they talk about emotions from a very simple and useful perspective. It's three again, but it's classifying and understanding the tone as either pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. Right? And that's a really nice, simple way. It's amazingly helpful um, to practice noticing if it's pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. So if you have a pleasant relationship to what's going on in emotion that you're feeling, what do you think is likely to happen in your mind? Can somebody take the mic and share? Thank you, Wendy. Or maybe it'll be easier for you to speak if I say, if you have an unpleasant emotion, what's likely to happen in your mind? So in general, yes, there we go. Sometimes you end up dwelling on it. If it's unpleasant, yeah, in particular... Yes. So the mind will respond 
typically in a way of not liking, right? And that you will end up finding that your thinking will become more, I don't like this, this doesn't feel good, I want this to go away, what do I have to do? I have to fix this, this is wrong, something's wrong with me, what's wrong with me? Oh my God, I'm going to die, everybody's going to hate me right sort of slowly gets worse and worse but we're going down this sort of you know and if it's pleasant sometimes it's easy to get lost in thought and meditation because it's so pleasant and you're thinking oh this feels so good and i'm going to feel like this forever and oh this is meditation is it for me and you know um I'm going to get enlightened and, and, you know, whatever. I'm going to do this, you know, all, and we get, go down and pretty soon we're just caught in this fantasy, right? Instead of, oh yeah, what's happening? Where am I right now? Oh yeah, I'm right here. (laughs) So the pleasant, we tend to want to go toward it. We want to keep it. We want to make it built stronger. The unpleasant, we want to get rid of it. We want to push it away. We want to turn away from it. Both of those things tend to fuel and build on the states. We think, you know, they're... When we're thinking that we're getting rid of a negative state, we think we're doing that, but we're actually, like you were saying earlier, making it worse creating more of that. When you pay attention to the pleasant and we keep following it and being stuck with it, you will start to notice that that too starts to become unpleasant. Because it keeps changing, right? Things keep changing. And there's the, what we start to do is add a sense of craving and wanting. And craving and wanting in my experience, the more sensitive I get to it, the more uncomfortable those states are, the less at ease I am. The neutral stuff we tend to sort of almost not even notice because it's neutral, because we're trained, our brains are trained and oriented toward sort of noticing more the, the positive and the threats. Another thing that's helpful to know is that our threat system is... Um, it operates really quickly beyond conscious, you know, faster than conscious thought. It's in the old brain. So if you find yourself upset and then very quickly, you know, having fantasies and get upset with yourself, just as soon as you wake up and notice what's happening, it's just, oh, my threat system is going. It's just automatic. That's, of course, that's what it's doing. Oh, let me look around. Is it okay? It's okay. You know, yeah. So... The Buddha taught that um, emotions in our lives or life, you know, there's a, something called the, the arrow simile. And that in life, we'll get, you know, hit by an arrow. And that hurts, right? It hurts. Things happen in our lives. People break up with us. We lose our jobs. We you know, get injuries, things happen in our lives. And those are the first arrows. And and that's just, you know, that's the nature of life. It's the nature of having a body. These things happen. But if you got hit by a second arrow, it hurt even more than the first, right? The more arrows we get, the more it's going to hurt. But what the Buddha said is that these second arrows essentially are optional arrows. 
There are the arrows where we say, I'm so stupid for doing X that caused my hurt, the first arrow. Or, this shouldn't have happened to me. There's something wrong. It's because I'm a bad person. If I was a good person, this wouldn't have happened to me. Right? This is a second arrow. These things are what the Buddha said are optional. And this is the commentary. Right? These are the judgments and the, the added things that we don't need to cause. We, don't, we can learn how not to do. We can learn how not to shoot ourselves repeatedly. And sometimes it's a, our hundredth arrow where we realize what we're doing. You know, sometimes it takes us a long time to start to see that we're actually really building and building and hurting ourselves more and more. So I want to go back to something I said the first night, which is that in meditation, it's really about our relationship to our experience. And that our attitude is everything. And so tonight we'll, you know, start bringing, being more challenged, potentially, with that attitude by starting to look and directly work with emotions. Because it is so challenging, sometimes it's very helpful and the best thing you can do is when you have an emotion that comes up and it's difficult for you, maybe just try as much as you can to just drop the story. Don't even worry about what's going on. Just see if you can find and feel the sensations in your body. Be with the emotion as it's being expressed in as simple a way as possible. So let's let's do a meditation together. Go ahead and take a moment to get yourself into a posture that feels supportive and comfortable for you. And once you feel yourself kind of arrive, that you've arrived, that you have come into your body, take a few deep breaths. Some longer, fuller, deeper breaths. A three breath journey to start your meditation. And remember with the exhale, it's nice to invite the body to let go of any unnecessary extra tension or stress. just gently scan the body for any areas of that can be softened maybe your face around your eyes or your mouth or your jaw maybe your shoulders 
Sometimes I find my hands sort of tight. For just a a moment here, a few moments, just be with your breathing. Simply as you can. Feeling the breathing from the inside. Noticing the movement and sensations, the expansion, contraction. And if the mind is sort of, needs a little support to pay attention to the breath, you might add a silent mantra of in with the inhale and out with the exhale. might even be that you just take a series of three breath journeys, just one after another, just as simply as you can without the added extras of the commentary, just opening to that feeling of the breathing in the body. Breathing in, knowing you're breathing in, and breathing out, knowing you're breathing out.
Remembering that mindfulness itself doesn't condemn or condone any particular experience. We simply allow and accept and know what's happening here and now. invite you to just sort of see if you can identify what emotions you might be feeling right now. And it could be one or many. Just noticing if you're feeling at ease, sad, some tension or stress or resistance, confused, Peaceful, worried, angry, hurt, resentful, impatient, caring, And as much as you can, sort of see these emotions and let them feel safe, sort of like they're a little critter in the woods. You just, you want to respect them, give them their space. And you want to see them clearly. But you don't want to get too crowded on them. Sort of looking at them and seeing how they affect your body, where you feel them. Sort of in this quiet voice, quiet way. Experimenting in this way. with allowing. Making space for them in your body. No problem. No problem. As you notice and sit with the emotion, you may become aware of having a response to the emotion or feeling compelled energetically or in the mind. So 
So again, just seeing if you can't hold that curiosity to see, to see these responses, to see these energies. Giving them room. So paying attention in this way to both what is arising, in this case, possibly an emotion, and how we're responding to it. How the mind responds, how the body responds. Taking time to feel it, allowing, continuing to distinguish between the felt experience and the commentary. The felt experience and your preferences. your felt experience and your judgments. And just checking in again, looking around the inner landscape and noticing if anything has shifted. Maybe there are different emotions or the emotions that are there have changed in intensity. And take three more deep breaths as we come to the close of this meditation. And take a moment to just notice Did you have any moments, and you might just sort of stay in your meditation here. I'm going to ask a a few reflection questions. Did you have any experience of being non-reactive? What was that like? Sort of take a moment to savor and kind of reflect 
on being non-reactive and what happens? What does that feel like? In contrast, you may have noticed being reactive. Maybe you noticed that there were certain thoughts or states that came up that you did react to. And what was that like? What was it like to react to your inner experience? What did that feel like? What tended to happen? We tend to have ways that we respond to things that we have difficulty with. Some of us get angry. Some of us want to escape. Some of us start to want to fix things. We start planning and architecture, planning details of how we're going to master this situation, control it, fix it. What did you notice? Did you go to fantasy? What did you notice? Can you be non-reactive to your own patterns? And what about second arrows? Did you notice any second arrows? All right, now I'm going to ask you to take another big breath in and out. And open your eyes. Give yourself a moment to orient to where you are. So in the end there, I asked you to see if you could remember an experience in the meditation of non-reactive awareness. Reactive awareness. Patterns and arrows. Is anyone willing to share about any of those things in your meditation or anything else about the experience of the guided meditation? Wendy, will you you, uh, get the microphone ready? Well, I'll start. Um, That was really beautiful for me. I didn't realize how tense I was when I got here. And um, so my first experience was, oh, I'm tired, mm-hmm. you know, feel exhausted and recognize some of the tension. And I don't believe I reacted. I, at one point, it was like this real tenderness for myself mm-hmm. and tears came down. And then I could feel the tears and I wanted to wipe them, but I just allowed the feeling to come. And um, yeah, I, I, it was it was beautiful (laughs) Mm. really nice 
remember I was on a retreat once and um, I was crying and I used the tears as my object of awareness. It was amazing how concentrated I got, feeling the tear dripping and following all the way down, slowly dripping, you know. And it just was quite something, quite something. Yeah, well, first it was on my right side, and then that stopped, and then it started on the left. Wow. And it was really interesting. I didn't wipe them, I just let them be. And um, So I guess something. I did focus on that. Yeah, beautiful. Just the sensations. Beautiful. Thank you. So let's do something different. Let's have you get in pairs. Maybe it'll be easier to say something to just one person. Okay? So just find a buddy. You can pause and then when I ask the question I can let you know. I'd like to just invite you to do is um, just share, you know, anything that you noticed about your relationship to being with emotions, anything you're comfortable sharing, right? So anything at all. So please just take, we're just going to do this for a couple of minutes and then, um, you know, so just make sure you hear from each other and, and uh, I'll be kind of listening to the energy in the room and I'll ding the bell and check in and again in about three minutes. Okay? And great. So, was that useful? Yeah? What was useful about it? What, what, um, what was helpful about what you heard? Um, for me, just being able to verbalize what I experienced during that meditation, like we, you know, we talked about pleasant and what was pleasant and unpleasant, like just being able to verbalize it in a way also was like an aha moment. It was like, oh, yeah, this is what I was actually experiencing. Great, so. great. Verbalizing is helpful. It's helpful to hear, too, what others say. So it is an act of generosity to to take the mic and share. Great, we've got somebody behind you. Um, I think it was nice just to find some commonality. Like, you kind of feel the same way sometimes. Yes, yes. And when we don't speak and we don't share, or we have these ideas about what meditation is or what our experience is, we can feel pretty isolated, right? So... What was the benefit of, of for you of, of feeling you're not alone or 
seeing somebody who had a similar experience. Um, well, my partner uh, was talking about, if I can share, if that's okay, um, just like thinking about being in the future. Yeah. Um, and I find that I am like that a lot. Um, so it just makes you feel a little bit more at ease then. Beautiful. Um, you have that struggle too. Um, but then I was also sharing that I felt like over the last couple of weeks since I've been meditating more, I can notice that sooner and bring it back to a more neutral sooner, mm-hmm. which was nice. Yeah. More choice. You can think about the future if you choose to, right? It's a nice one you can choose and choose not to if you don't want to. Great. How about one more, just one more share about how that was beneficial? Great. Um, As I was trying to check in with kind of how I was feeling in the moment, Uh, my mind kept going back to something that had happened earlier in the day that um, was more of a negative emotion. And actually right now I was feeling very much at ease and peaceful, but my mind just kept going back to that. Like, but what about before when you were so upset? And um, it just, it was hard for me just to accept that right now, like, I actually feel pretty good. Um, Yeah. Those, Those negative emotions are a lot more powerful for me. Yeah. There's a, a great saying um, that I heard, and I think is from Rick Hansen, who's a psychologist and a Dharma teacher and an author. And he wrote that, or says, negative emotions stick like Velcro. And the good stuff, the good emotions tend to slip through like an egg on a Teflon pan. Just, whoop, oh, forgot about it already, you know. And... That's the hardwiring of the brain, and it, it is, it's very sticky. Some emotions are what you might call sticky. And um, so it's helpful to know this is what the brain does, and the, the counterbalancing efforts are to you know, redirect awareness to instead of the content, the experience. And um, Rick Hansen teaches to savor the good that you start to appreciate and right now I'm okay. <sighs> How do I savor that? How do I breathe that into that? And um, But it sounds like you did a great job of just sort of noticing that this was the habit of the mind. And that's that can be really helpful to just see your own mind and how it does this. And sort of, and can we hold that too as something precious to see and not as bad bad news or a result of our being, you know, bad meditators or weak. So, beautiful. Thank you. So, emotions are tough, right, to deal with. Do, do, do you, when I say they're kind of like drive systems, they generate movement, do you, can you kind of feel that more deeply now than when we started after this meditation? Great. So let's do another meditation where I walk through um, a practice with emotions. Where you, It's called the RAFT. It's an acronym. And I'll, I'll walk you through it, but each one, so R is essentially recogni- recognize. And that's, that's the naming. That's naming. And the important thing about naming is that 
You know, it helps when you call somebody by their right name, right? Right? And so it, it is worthwhile to take enough time to make sure you know what you're kind of connecting with, what you're noticing. And then, just like if you kind of call somebody, maybe their name is Susan, and you call them Sue, and they, you can feel, oh, something's not quite right. You know, maybe you name what you're feeling, and then you realize, oh, wait, maybe there's two things here I'm feeling. Right? So, um, as recognizing has to do with seeing, clear seeing. And that's, vipassana is insight, clear seeing, Right? So this this part of the whole raft is very important. So if you do nothing else but just start to practice with this part of it, that would be huge. Huge. Another thing is, um, you know, I like the fairy tale. I think about the fairy tale of Rumpelstiltskin. Right? You had power if you knew his name. So, th- and that's sort of symbolic of something. There is power in knowing and being able to name what's there. Right? So I just say that to sort of, I don't know, help you remember the power of naming. Yeah. Um, so, recognize. And as you name, do keep it as short and brief and precise as possible. Right? We don't want to get into long explanations of, oh, I'm angry because of this, and then I'm frustrated, you know. Oh, wait, you know, just sort of as slightly and gently, just sort of like a name, right? Labeling it. And attitude is everything. So if you saw somebody and you were like unhappy with them and you said their name in an unhappy way, it affects what happens next, right? Well, if you notice the relationship inside from yourself, whatever's aware, and our experience, how we respond matters. So you might actively practice with that, you know, noticing, oh, how am I responding? How am I noting? How am I relating? Okay. So that's the first part of raft. The second part is you can use the word allow or you can use the word accept. So let's say we feel betrayed and that's the emotion that we recognized. Hmm. Do you think I want to allow myself to feel betrayed? the general response to betrayal is to not want it, correct? To feel it is wrong and bad. So the critical part here is that by accepting that we've been betrayed, we're actually not accepting that we've been betrayed, we're accepting that we feel betrayed. You see the difference? So a lot of people get stuck on this phase saying, feeling like, if I accept this, I'm condoning it. We're not condoning the action in the world. What we're doing is accepting and allowing the fact that we already have a feeling. We already have an experience that's happening. It's already here. So we're giving ourselves permission to have the feeling. We're not saying we're going to act on our 
you know, desires to retaliate. But that this is what's happening. We want to allow ourselves to acknowledge that this is what's already going on. Makes sense? Okay. And part of the allowing is giving it space. Giving it space. So emotions want to be felt. Remember, 90 seconds, right? If we don't re-trigger them, they don't last that long. But if we don't give them space to be kind of what I call digested, processed, felt, they can stick around for a lot longer and they can get repressed and stuck in the body. So part of it is giving space to what's come up and seeing it in a neutral, open-hearted way as possible. Recognize, allow, and accept. And then we got to feel them. So find it and feel it. I like to say find it and feel it in the body. And this part is where we really are turning our awareness to the sensation, the more raw data experience. Not the story, but, oh, the tightness here, you know, or the sickness in the gut, you know, or the warmth and openness in the heart, you know, or the, 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 the crying that can be felt in the face, you know, the sadness. So you take time to physically experience and connect with the emotions. And then the last part of raft is um, that... If everything's all good, the T for me is trust. Like you just trust that this process is all cool. It's nature. Things are happening. They're coming and going. But if you get to the last part and you're struggling, try and just more consciously tease apart. Separate out the direct experience in the body from the commentary. Just take a little more time to help yourself. Oh, what if I turn the volume off? What would I notice if I could turn the volume off? I know I can't, but let me pretend for a minute. What would it be like if I didn't have all this commentary going on? Okay. And then, oh yeah, let me turn the volume back up and let me, oh yeah, the commentary is this and that and the other thing. Okay, okay. okay. So I'm teasing it apart. I'm sort of separating it out. And then sort of seeing each part, you know, Separately and again, as much with as much acceptance as possible, right? Allowing our experience to be whatever it is. Any questions about that process before we go through it? Is it clear enough? Great. Okay, so for the purpose of this exercise, I want to invite you to maybe think back on your day and think about a situation that was a little bit challenging. And I use the word little bit intentionally. You don't want to set yourself up to kind of practice with something that's going to be overwhelming immediately. So maybe something that you didn't quite get to fully process that was a little bit difficult. And it could have been today or it could have been any time recently. It doesn't matter. But just choose kindly. And it doesn't have to be perfect. So whatever comes up first, as long as it's not something huge, So huge is a problem because we can get traumatized and overwhelmed and shut down and that's not useful in this situation, right? 
So, so just choosing something as best you can. It does not need to be anything perfect. Right? So giving yourself permission to land with... Everybody got something in mind? Okay. All right. So go ahead and take your meditation posture. And feel, you know, feel yourself arriving in your body. Feeling it. Giving that awareness that you've been giving to my speaking and presence, processing and thinking. Let it come into your body to feel and receive sitting here. And then when you're ready, take those longer, deeper breaths, your three-breath journey. And then go ahead and bring to mind the situation. Maybe picturing location, colors, lighting, sounds, smells. We all imagine things differently, but however your mind remembers. the peak moment of your emotional memory. Notice what you're feeling in your body here and now. So the first step with raft is to recognize, to name Name what you're experiencing with a kind or gentle voice. And now sort of consciously, intentionally saying, I allow you to be here. I'm allowing myself to have this experience for this moment here. I'm accepting as best I can that this feeling is present. Maybe imagine creating more space around the emotion, like expanding your awareness. And then find and feel how it's being expressed in the body. You might do a gentle scan all the way from the top of the head down to the feet and just just see if you can identify how the body is communicating, expressing, living out this emotion.
And as you connect with it, allowing yourself to touch it. Not to dive into it, but to to touch it, to be touched by it, to receive it. Breathing in and breathing out with this experience. And when you feel ready, or it feels important, you can shift to the T, right? To teasing apart. Just sort of as you feel, the commentary probably is coming up, and just sort of more clearly recognizing felt experience and commentary. And can you trust your awareness? What can you trust about your experience here? Maybe acknowledging to yourself what this process has been like, the recognition, the accepting and allowing the feeling and the teasing apart. Just seeing the journey that you've taken. And when you're ready, take a deep breath in and allow the meditation to let go with the exhale. a raft. Recognize, accept and allow, find and feel, and tease it apart. Maybe trust. So, any questions or comments before we do another small dyad exercise? Just another quick one. Anyone want to share anything or um, ask any questions? Okay, so why don't you go ahead and pair up again. And I, it doesn't matter, it's all good, yeah. So share your name 
And then I have a question for you right away. So the question, the simple question is, and I'd like you to sort of just take turns answering this question just one at a time. How was it for you to practice with emotions in this way using raft? How was it for you to practice with emotions in this way using the raft? Please begin. And then, um, let me just ask, did you, did you already share anything that you learned about yourself or your reactions to your emotions? Or is that a, a good next question? Good next question. You did that. Okay. Okay. So let me offer two questions. If you did that question, great. So if you didn't, you can choose in your dyads. You know, what are you learning about your emotions and how you respond to them? And the other question is, what might be supportive, what might be helpful for you in daily life about using this process or what you've learned here? How might this help you in your daily life? Is that clear? Okay. Please begin. Okay, so thank your partners. All right, so um, it would be really helpful if a few people could share about what that was like in the dyads. Um, Somebody willing to get us started? Maybe just pass it hand to hand and add love to it as you go and maybe somebody will get inspired we're feeling quiet tonight in the group setting but you're talking a lot among yourselves it's great Thank you. Um, yeah, I think uh, it's it's really um, helpful in daily life, you know, if you can just you know concentrate and you know, especially when something bad or drastic happens, then you feel like upset about it, and you feel you can't do anything about this and. Uh, yeah, if you try to meditate and concentrate and see, okay, it's, it's already happening, or you know, so there might be ways to fix it and you know, be positive about it, and it can help. I think it can help. Thank you. I want to say that I um, I had the experience uh, in the in over the over the past period of time um, of I, of really practicing this recognition of, um, and naming emotions that I've had, and it was only once I really practiced that that I saw 
really how I was, how I was feeling. Mm-hmm. And that was really eye-opening to me. And then once I saw, say, for example, um, feelings of um, irritability and frustration in my personal life or in, in work, um, and then seeing beyond that uh, um, feeling, other feelings, more painful feelings, um, it was only through that that I feel like I've been able to um, um, make changes in my life to... Um, have those feelings to be less intense and less frequent and yeah do you feel like the because of that they have less power over you absolutely yeah 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 you know if we're locked in a room and we don't know we're locked in a room we can't get out of the room right and that's kind of what it's like when we don't know we're just sort of stuck and thank you for sharing that it's really really powerful thing that you shared. Yeah. Yeah, so it does not help you having not having bad emotions, but it does help to learn how you how that feels. Yes. So the it doesn't help so the, I'm trying to make sure I heard you. The first part you said is it doesn't help. It's not nice to have hard emotions. No, so you, you have their bad emotions. So there it does not help that they are going away. But it makes you aware how you feel about it. It makes you aware of how you feel. And then how you respond to how you feel is everything, right? It's everything. Right? If we care about how we're feeling something really beautiful can happen. If we don't care, we don't pay attention to, or we get mad at how we're feeling, we tend to be locked, stuck, frozen, trapped, alone. Things continue. Yeah, thank you. Was there another person that... Yeah, great. This is a rephrasing now of what's already been said, but uh, I found it really helpful to um, step out, to have the chance to step outside of an experience and and see it, or in this case, an emotion, and see it kind of as an abstract thing as opposed to just everything. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. There's a saying, uh, and I forget where it's from, that I like that I think applies to this, which is uh, to a worm in horseradish, the world is horseradish. Um, I don't know why horseradish, but yeah, <laughs> that's what it is. Anyway, getting outside the horseradish uh, can be helpful. Was my takeaway. Nice. Great. Uh, I I found that um, I, I I found I found that uh, I found opportunities to increase my empathy. Mm. Um, in, in interacting with other people that uh, as I spent some time with my emotions that I realized that sometimes my first reaction in a challenging situation can be, can be rather selfish. Mm-hmm. And after going through this exercise, I realized that um, it helped me put myself in their shoes. Mm. Nice. And now, how to do that real time is the great challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it all starts 
it starts by witnessing, it starts by imagining, you know, this makes, this grows the pathways, the capacities to do these things. So it's no small thing to have it happen here. You know, and what do you think the benefit of kind of growing empathy is for you in your life? What's the potential benefit of that? Uh, well, at a minimum, I think it will improve my relationships um, with the people I love and with my friends and with my acquaintances. Mm. Pretty pretty beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Great, please. Um, I found it to be very empowering. Um because I am one to really complicate emotions and feel either I shouldn't be feeling this way or um, I don't have a right to be upset or whatever. And it was just very simplified to just stop and say, this is what I'm feeling, regardless of why or if it's justified, and to just nurture that. Um, And it just helped me to feel more grounded in my own experience. That's beautiful. I love that. Empowering. Yeah, that you could really feel. And, and, and so this goes back to the emotions energy, right? Energy that gets stuck, right? We're not going to have that, the power of the energy moving. And emotion is to move, right? So allowing things to be seen and felt allows them to move. And then they transform and they become something else, Right? It's quite beautiful, quite amazing. But we often do this thing where we try and push things down, emotions we don't like, and then we end up taking all of our energy to keep trying to hold it down. <laughs> Just keep it down, keep it down. And, and we're stuck. Things get frozen, they get stuck, they get caught. But they don't, they don't just disappear. They're going to pop up, you know, um, there was a phrase when I used to teach a parenting class, give up or blow up, right? And parents often give up or blow up, right? And the, the giving up is like, you know, this sort of, you know, and the blowing up comes because you've stomped and stomped and stomped on what you're feeling and what's going on and it just explodes. This is, we're trying to find the middle way, right? We're not, we're not... Can, you know, sort of endorsing and we're not rejecting, we're allowing. So we're not for and we're not against. It's just the way it is. And we allow ourselves in meditation to be with the way it is. And, and then how we meet it is everything. It does its own work if we meet it in the right way. You know, where things become clear. Just the mind just knows what it needs to do when it's freed from repressing or agreeing and building the emotional states. So, oh, we're, that clock's a little slow, so I think we need to come to an end. But um, thank you for you know, sharing all your reflections. They're quite touching. Um, And for this week's homework, please continue to do your sitting. Um, It really makes a difference. I love hearing that you've been doing your sitting when you come in. And even if you, you know, we're going to encourage you to go to 25 minutes this week. But, you know, just sit for five if you can't do 20 or 25. Just, Just sit. It's really powerful to just sit.
The next invitation is to, when an, an emotion comes up in your life, see if you can surf it. See if you can just ride it. And just feel the energy get as big or what little as it gets. Notice how it you know, moves in your body, kind of like a wave. You, you'll feel it comes up, reaches its peak, and then it'll start to recede. And just notice what you can. Choose a safe emotion to do this with or a safe moment, but, but see what that's like for you. And notice feelings of contentment and happiness. This is noticing the good stuff. So this is really important for us to start to emphasize and breathe into and be with too. And finally, notice what kind of emotions tend to pull you into a preoccupied mind. So it's on the handout, which is on the end of the stage. And um, thank you again, and I look forward to seeing you next week. All right? Thank you.